What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How many of y'all know he's really the only place we can find true refuge? Is in him. Good to see everybody that's out here tonight. Good to see all the youth throughout the building, but filling up the back row. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining with us online. If you're tuning with us online this morning, we thank you so much for joining with us. We want to invite you to come and join us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or a Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. sometime. We'd love to meet you and your families and pray with you about whatever needs you may have going on in your life. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. The address is 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. Come on down. We want to meet you. But thank you for joining with us online this morning. Last week we began a series. That I said, you know, we'll just see how it goes, right? We got through the introduction of the first message last week, I think. So, uh, but I know God's wanting to speak something here. So, because uh, how many of y'all have heard, I'll just call it this way, the rapture deception. I'm not talking about the rapture itself. When I say rapture deception, I'm talking about those people that are just sitting around waiting on the rapture. They look around them. They see signs of times in the Bible. They're not doing anything. They're not witnessing because they figure I'll be out of here in a minute anyways. What I got to worry about, right? That's what I mean when I say rapture deception. If you're one of those people just sitting around waiting on the rapture to come, you're missing out on every opportunity God has for you to be doing right now. See, Jesus didn't tell us to come and sit and wait on his second return. What did he say to his disciples as he was leaving? He said, go, right? That's the first word, two letters. Go, ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And do you remember what happened in the book of Acts when Jesus ascended to heaven and all the disciples are standing around like looking up? What happened? Two angels showed up and said, what y'all looking up for? That same Jesus that just left, he's coming back. But in the meantime, you got some work to do. Get out there. Make disciples. Teach. Preach. Yeah, if the rapture happens today, all right, I'm going, right? So y'all can run the place. I'll be gone, right? But if not, I'm going to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm waiting, right? If, I'm, if I have to die when my old pastor used to say the way of the box, yeah, sure, that's what I'll do. Because we really don't know the time or the hour that Jesus is coming. But he told us to look at the signs. So a lot of people see the signs going on around them and they think, oh, it's almost over. I shouldn't have to do anything. But they're missing it. Because here's what they don't understand. Those same signs we're seeing now have been happening for 2,000 years. Uh Uh-oh. Come on, some of y'all didn't realize that. For 2,000 years there have been times where a man that looked like an antichrist rose up. Let me get you one that you guys are probably going to be familiar with in this generation, Adolf Hitler. How many people thought, that's the Antichrist? Well, see, he was probably operating in the spirit of the Antichrist, 
But the man Antichrist, he's not here yet. Now, he may be here now. I have no idea. But what we do know is, and I told you, I don't, I'm not going to get into eschatology a lot, but what I want to do is teach what Jesus taught about eschatology, right? So that's why for the next several weeks, however long this lasts, we're going to talk about Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus gives us an idea of eschatology, but we're not going to look into all the theories and things you got going on out there in the world. Because I talked to you last week, I said, you know, every time they think they got it figured out, they miss it. We just need to be looking for the signs, and we're going to talk about that today depending on how far we get today. Last week, I gave you a little bit of an introduction, and we talked about the Monday, Tuesday, and it's about Tuesday afternoon or evening. They're walking up through the Mount of Olives. They're looking back on the city of Jerusalem. Jesus has had a rough day. He's been debating the Pharisees all morning, and the disciples try and, I guess, maybe lighten the mood, turn around and say, Look at what a beautiful sight. Look at all these stones. Look at all these buildings. And what did Jesus say? Instead of going with the moment, he said, truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left standing. Because Jesus saw something that the disciples couldn't see. But did you notice the first question? When is the end going to come? That's always the first question that a lost person wants to know. When's the end? Basically, the question is, well, how long do I got? How long can I keep sinning till Jesus come? I want to make sure I get it right before he gets here. But, you know, I don't want to have to change anything till then. That's not what Jesus said to do. If you're doing that, you're missing it. You're missing what Jesus said. Now, I'm not going to re-preach last week's sermon. We barely got through the interval then. So we're going to get into today. We're going to be starting in verse 4 of Matthew chapter 24. Now, what I want to do, my hope is to get through all this. We'll see what happens, right? Matthew 4 through 14 is what we're going to look at today. That's my hope, that we get through all this. But if you look there in Matthew 24, 4, I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. I'm just going to read through verse 14, and then we're going to talk about it and kind of break it down a little bit. It says, Jesus answered. Now, this is after all their questions of eschatology. When is the end of the age? When is it coming? Everybody asks that question. Jesus is like, look. So he starts giving them some signs to look for, right? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Brett was telling me about it. We got at least three YouTube people that claim they're Jesus right now, claiming they're the Messiah. They go on YouTube and they promote this filth about claiming there's something. But here's what Jesus, when Jesus comes back, we all going to know it. You ain't going to have to worry about it. The sky going to split. We're going to be looking up like, oh, there's Jesus, right? It says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. This was going on in this day already. Even while Jesus was walking around with the disciples, there were many false teachers, false prophets that were leading people astray, false messiahs. That was happening while the real Messiah was here. Many people don't realize that. Oh, that started later. No, it was happening at this time as well. Then he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. How many of y'all can attest to that verse this morning? Now, if you're like me, you don't watch mainstream media, so really, I don't know what they're talking about, really. I know a few things just because I get little notifications every now and then from Truth Social, let me know what's going on in the world, right? But, uh, if you're listening to that, you're hearing all kinds of wars and rumors of wars going on on the television right now, right? But guess what he said right after that? He says, 
You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but check out this part. See, this is the part I don't think people get. When you see these things happening, he says, but the end is still to come. And the end he's referring to, we'll talk about it when we get there, is the tribulation period. He's talking and referring to that. So it doesn't even start until all this stuff goes through. And there's one thing particular that we're missing before the whole thing is going to be even begin. And that is this revival that we're in the midst of starting right now. It's starting in the world, right? All right, so he says, don't be alarmed. These things got to happen, but the end is not yet. That's what some translation says. The NIV said it's still to come. Then check this out, verse 7. Now, how many of y'all can attest to verse 7 over the last few years? Nation will rise against nation. You know, they tell us the better translation of that is ethnic groups against ethnic groups. How many of y'all can attest to some of that? 2020, it was really big, right? All over the place. But uh, let's just keep reading. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, what does he say there? He said all these things are the beginning of birth pains. <coughs> We're going to break that down here in just a little bit, assuming we get to it, right? Uh, I'm just going to take my time and follow God's timing on this series, so we're not going to get in a big hurry. He says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Some translations say, for my name's sake. And at that time, many, we're starting to see this happen. Watch. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Mm, this is all happening. Y'all paying attention to the world around you? But the one who stands firm to the end, what does he say? Will be saved. And here's the part I think we're entering into. You guys ready? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, I could go ahead and tell you right now, gospel hasn't been preached to the whole world yet. It's not happened yet. It's happening around us right now with the big revival that's taking place. And I really honestly believe that this revival we're entering into that's been going on for probably two or three years now that we're just still getting into the birth part of this revival that's been happening worldwide, Iran, China, all these places, there's revival breaking out. Why do we, I don't know about that, Pastor, because the news doesn't talk about it. They're part of those false teachers and false prophets that you've been warned about. The gospel has to be preached everywhere. So those of you waiting for the rapture to happen, I think you're just a little bit in the heads up. You're a little ahead of the time. It's not yet. It's not yet. That's what Jesus said. That wasn't me. He said all these things, don't be alarmed. They have to take place. But the end is still to come. 
We're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down today. Let's talk about the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. Now we're going to go back and re-break them down. You guys ready? In the first section of the Olivet Discourse, that's what we've been talking about. This is the big chunk that he's preaching here in 24 and 25. The big chunk of that that Jesus is teaching, that's what a discourse is if you didn't catch last week's message. A discourse is chunks of teaching that last two to three maybe even longer chapters, and they're in the book of Matthew. There are five of those. This is the last one. This is the Olivet Discourse named because they believe it's taking place in the uh, um, Mount of Olives, on the Mount of Olives is where he's teaching it. So it's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus gives a preview of general conditions on the earth that in some sense characterize the entire age before the coming of the Lord. The first thing he talks about there is in verses 4 through 8. He talks about sufferings throughout the world. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. I'm just going to read verse 4 through 8 again. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are, what did he say? Not alarmed not alarmed such things must happen but the end is still to come how many y'all know we've seen all of these signs that we're seeing now we've seen them throughout the last 2,000 years they come onto the surface a lot more at certain times. We talked about Hitler a minute ago, but, you know, the Great Awakenings, that's all persecution. That's what led to the first two Great Awakenings was the persecution. That's what led to the pilgrims moving here. We're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. They wanted religious freedom because they were being held in bondage and captivity by the religion of the day. It's still out there, but we're not going to mention it by name. Pastor Brett's talked about it the last couple of Wednesday nights. So he says, oh, let me go here. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, here's where we get what we're talking about, are the, he didn't say the end, beginning of birth pangs. So when you see all these things happening around you in the world, that's driven some people mad, drove some people to suicide, depression, anxiety. When you see all these things happening, this has happened before. This is nothing new. It's just been at different times. But Jesus warns us in verse, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. That's right there in verse 4. Many events may deceive the disciples into thinking that the end of the age has arrived. But it hasn't. Now, I believe we are in the last of the last days, yes. But it's not time for the rapture yet. Now, like I said, if it happens today, I'm going. I'm not worried about it. You can run the church. I'll be gone, right, if you're not going with me, right? Right? You guys can run the place. But if it's not, I'm going to be doing what he told me to do. What did he tell me to do? Go. He said go. He didn't say stand there and look up and wait because the rapture is going to happen when you start seeing signs. No, he said, go. Angels, we talked about it. The angel said, what are you looking up for? He gave you a command, go. Make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what else did he say? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. So if he's with us, what are we afraid of? I've seen him do some miraculous things in my life just in the last weeks, months, years. I'm just watching. He is my source. I don't sit around worrying about stuff. I already know the government doesn't have it figured out. Never will. So I don't depend on government. I depend on God. Who's the who is your source? If it's government, you need to check yourself because you're depending on them and not him. That's an idol. All right, we'll talk. Watch out, no one deceives you. This was happening in his day. False messiahs were waking up in this day when Jesus was still here. Verse 4 and 5, he talked about, For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. We had people, even John talked about it. Pastor John, and we're going to look at some of those verses in 1 John here in just a minute. Pastor John talked about it. He talked about dealing with false messiahs. He talked, and what was it? I think it was, uh, it was either Josephus or Eusebius. One of those two wrote about the d- false messiahs that took people to the desert, claiming they were the messiah, and they died in the desert. This is happening here. Messiah is here at this time, and it's already happening. It's nothing new. Read your Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that is has already been. It's new to you. That was Solomon that wrote that. Ecclesiastes. If you can read through it, read through that book. Vanity of Vanities. It's a good book. It can make you depressed, though, if you don't read all the way to the end. Because in the end of the book is where you find out God's your source. If you're doing anything besides worshiping God and following God, there's no point to life. There's no, there's no point. You get up, you work, you come home, you eat, you sleep, you get up, you work, you come home, you eat, you sleep, and then one day you die. That's it. You pay your bills, you get yourself in debt, whatever it is, there is no point to life without God in it. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, I really believe the richest man that still has ever lived on this planet. Focusing on the wrong thing there, Nate. But a lot of money. He had everything. He had women. He had gold. He had silver. He had livestock. He had horses. He had everything he needed. And he still fell. He still gave into the gods of a land. Can I just, can I was, when I was in my prayer time this morning, or while I was spending time with God, driving, I think, it's like you look at the world around you, the church is kind of like Israel in the Old Testament. What do I mean by that? The church is mingling with the gods of the land instead of focusing on the one true God. That was Israel's problem in the Old Testament. That's why they went into captivity. Because what happened when God warned them, 
Don't marry into the land. He warned them that for a reason. He was trying to protect them. Because what would happen, he knew, is they would chase after their gods. And that's exactly what happened. Go read your Old Testament. Over and over. It was like a vicious cycle. Kept happening until one day God said, I've had enough. Captivity's coming. And he used his disciples to tell, or his disciples, disciples too, the prophets to tell the people, you're going to captivity. While the false prophets are saying, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. We're good. Look how wealthy we are. We're going to prosper. And God's telling the real prophets, he's saying, no, you're going into captivity. And it's exactly what happened. It's the same with today's world. The Bible's happening now. You guys realize that. The church has spent too much time dabbling into the things of the world around them. And you're just going to have to go to NLU if you want all that information. But in NLU, we talk about the reason God chose Israel, the land that he gave Abraham, is the ideal place. If you're wanting to reach the world with anything, they were a land bridge between three continents, which at that time were the only known world to them. They were right there in the center. That's why the warning Because when they went to Egypt and they were in bondage for 430 years, they come out of bondage and you've got all of these knights. I say knights because I'm talking about the Canaanites, the Hanites, the termites, all the mites, right? They were like termites in the land, right? There was a whole bunch of ites. Go read your Bible. They had infested the land where God promised Abraham, and when the people went back, Joshua took them to war. They claimed part of the land, but what happened is they didn't finish the job. They still allowed some of these countries and these people to live in the land. That's when they started getting tripped up. They were supposed to take them all out, but they left some. And because of that, they were corrupted. It's just like what's happening in today's world. Woo. So throughout the ages, many have attempted to claim messianic identity. Jesus' disciples must not be deceived. If a person's on YouTube trying to get subscribers and gain a platform claiming they're the Messiah or even Jesus, hello, red flag. You think Jesus needs YouTube if he wants to get his word out that I'm here? Absolutely not. YouTube means nothing to God. He don't care about your worldly things you're dabbling in. He don't care about your subscribers. He don't care about your likes. He don't care about your views. He cares about none of that. Now, he's using it for some people as a platform to get the gospel out. But how many of y'all know there's a whole lot more that are just using the platform to deceive people? I don't like YouTube. We're on YouTube, but I don't like YouTube. But, you know, let me just throw that out there. It takes up all your time. You sit there and you watch all these videos. I don't get on social media. I don't get on video platforms very often. Why? Because God told me it's just a distraction. If you're spending four and five hours a day on that, what else are you accomplishing with your day? How much time did you read your Bible and spend time with God? Uh-oh. Oh, am I going there, God? Okay, here we go. Too many people, namely Christian by name anyway, claiming they're Christians, get to the end of their day, getting in bed at night. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I didn't have time for you today. I was too busy. 
but you spent the last four hours on Facebook and YouTube and social media wasting your life away, but you didn't have time for even 15 minutes with God? Your priorities detail what kind of a person you are. Are your priorities in God or are they in everything else? Because here's what I will promise you. Everything else will take you nowhere. When you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you how many subscribers did you have on YouTube. The only way you're getting in here is if you had over a million. He's going to look at you and you're going to try to, well, God, I did this, I did this, I did that. And he even said, many will come to me in my name. Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I perform miracles? Didn't I do all this stuff in your name? Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Zach knows what I'm doing. For those of you that were here when I talked about it, it's only in my mind. I'm not saying it's real. But in my mind, I see God, the people with all the excuses, there's a trap door under them. And when they start trying to ramble on about their excuses, God's just like, next. He's not listening to your excuses. He don't care how you reasoned with yourself in your own mind to try to make your morals straight. He doesn't care. His question to you is, did you know me? Do I know you? The only way to get to know a person is to spend time with him. How much time do you spend with God on average? Now let me ask you another question before the conviction settles in. Because don't worry, if you're, you feel singled out, I'm not. Everybody in this room is guilty. But check this out. How much time did you spend with God throughout this week? And how much time did you spend doing everything else? Priorities. You need to get them straight. I'm just giving you a warning. I could sit up here and lie to you and give you all kinds of feely good goosebumps this morning, but that's not going to change your heart. That's not going to change anything about you. You need to know the truth. How much time are you wasting in the week? You get, I don't even remember the hours. You get so many hours in a day, 24 hours in a day, but I'm talking about I don't know how many hours in a week. I don't have all that math with me right now, but I know there's a lot. How many of those hours you spend with God? How many of those hours you spend doing everything else? But he also talks about verse 6 and 7. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. I like the translation better that says the end is not yet. It puts it right there in your face. You can't miss it. Yeah, these things are happening. Don't be alarmed. The end's not yet. These are the beginning of birth pain. We're going to talk about that in a minute if we get to it, right? Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. He talks about wars, calamities. Jesus emphasizes that these cataclysmic activities will be a regular part of the suffering of this life until he returns. Don't be alarmed. The end's not yet. But get ready. Regular part of the suffering of life until he returns and begins the redemption of all creation. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And all the garbage you've been fed behind the scenes that you don't even know you've been fed. 
through these satanic worshipers, these Luciferians that have been in charge of your media and all the other stuff that's going on in the world. I'm not talking about godly TV. They've been feeding you lines, one, to create fear. Fear is how he, that's where he dwells, man. That's it. He can get you in fear. He can get you in depression. He can get you in anxiety. He can get you in worry. And if you give in to it, guess what? You can die. However, there's hope. That's why we say don't listen to the false prophets. Listen to what God says about you. Instead of spending all your time watching the fake media, maybe you should try opening your Bible and reading the book. You might notice a change in attitude in your daytime. You might notice, hey, I'm not complaining about everything. I'm not negative about everything. I'm not worried about everything. I'm not afraid of everything. Suddenly, you get in the Word, and He speaks truth to you through His Word. It's in the Word. That's where the power's at. Nothing I can do, nothing any other pastor in this room could do. It's all in the Word. You get His Word, and you watch your mind change. Watch. I will promise you that. If you'll spend time, I don't mean two seconds, read a verse, shut it, and go. That'll help. But you need to spend some time with him in his word. We say 15 minutes, but how many of y'all know if you go 15 minutes and you don't keep time, next thing you know, you're going to be going an hour, two hours. You're going to be in the word, and you're going to be like, whoa, where did time go? We encourage everyone in growth track, start with 15 minutes. Just give him 15 minutes of your day and see what God will do. I promise you, if you'll spend time with him, he'll begin to change your mind and turn the other garbage off. Turn it off. There's nothing going on out here that's going to change you and who God has called you to be. There will be famines. How many of y'all's mind immediately went to three years ago? Famines, earthquakes, various places. Then he makes an interesting statement. These are just the beginning. The beginning of birth pains. Now, why did he choose birth pains? Well, birth pains is a common metaphor from the Old Testament that prophets, <coughs> from the Old Testament prophets to depict terrible human suffering generally but also the suffering that Israel specifically will endure prior to her deliverance. How many of y'all been praying for Israel? If you was at prayer meeting last night, woo! Devin reminded us. And then he went off for, I don't know how long he prayed, for Israel. He got done, and I got to praying for Israel. And we pray for Israel. Your Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what it says. But see, as goes Israel, goes the United States. That's what a lot of the prophets are saying, and I think they're right. Why? God chose Israel. The United States chose God. I'm not talking about the generation you're looking at right now. They're messed up. I'm talking about the original founders of this country. They came here for religious freedom. They came here, and they made a declaration of independence and declared they were going to have a country for religious freedom. They were going to serve God. I didn't read that in the history book. Well, which history book you're reading? If you're reading the devil's history book, no, they ain't saying it like that. He don't want you to know about that part. 
So the United States chose God in its founding. Israel was chosen by God. Think of it as a sisterly relationship. You pray for a piece of Jerusalem. You pray for Israel because what's going to happen there? What's happening there? Can happen here. I mean, y'all know we've had open borders for the last three years. Terrorists have come on through those borders. Some of y'all didn't know that. Well, the news said it was okay. Well, they lied to you. They lied to you. Like they always do. Borders been open. They've been coming in. But you know what? I'm not afraid. What did Paul say? Live as Christ to die as gain. Worst thing they can do to me is kill me. And if they do that, guess what? I'm with Jesus. I don't care. The world can have their worldly stuff. I don't need it. I'm here for a while. Y'all know we're guests in this kingdom. We're not from here. If you're a born-again child of God, this is not your kingdom. We are travelers passing through what right now is Satan's kingdom. And then you wonder why the world's so messed up. And then you want to blame God. Whose kingdom are you living in? If you're living in God's kingdom, you got nothing to be afraid of. You just keep walking. You keep strutting your stuff. I don't mean get cocky. I just mean you know who you are. You don't worry about the stuff going on out here that the news is talking about. Who cares? What's God talking about? Woo, y'all, some of y'all need to catch the voice of God and stop listening to the false prophets, I'm telling you. I've said that over and over for the last three years. The metaphor indicates that inescapable, inescapable sequence of events once the process begins and also the repetitive nature of the waves of pain until the end. We'll have to stop. See, we didn't get very far. I didn't even make it to verse 14. Well, praise the Lord. We'll cover that next time. But I need to stop. It's the beginning of suffering. It's the beginning of pain. If you, you think this is bad, wait till the church is taken. Imagine what you're going to be living in then. If the Holy Spirit is removed from this planet, that is the only thing keeping this the whole thing from going to tyranny, death, rebellion. Church is it. Some of y'all don't realize your power. You walk in a room, things ought to change. Demons ought to flee. They ought to be afraid of you. They were afraid of Jesus. Who are we trying to look like? We're trying to look like Jesus, right? Jesus walked in. They're begging him, don't do it. Don't cast us out. He gave him one option. All right, you can go to the pigs. Go to the pigs. But he also knew, I think, the pigs are going to run off a cliff. You're going to die anyway. Demons have to have something to indwell. That's a whole different series, That's a whole different thought. Maybe Brett can take you deeper in that sometime. <laughs> so they were begging not to be cast out. God, we just come before you this morning. I feel like the words you've wanted to go forth this morning, I know we only made it to eight verses, four verses. It's time to stop.
Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the United States. We pray for the world, God. They need to know the one true Savior. That's you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will use us as lights all across this world to change it. Lord, we thank you for revival. Revival's here. It's not coming. It's here. The question is, are you in on it? Father, I just, I thank you for revival. I thank you for the awakening we're in right now, God. I thank you that people are waking up to the truth. Thank you that people are waking up to the deception. And those that wake up, those that endure to the end, will be saved. I thank you for that this morning, God. There's so much more we're going to talk about next week that I didn't get to today. We're going to get into some First John. We're going to read through 14. I'll probably try to stop there next week. We got a lot of stuff. I think, shoot, I can look right now. We got a lot of stuff we're going to hit on in First John. Well, yeah. I got three segments here in First John, different places we're going to look at next week. We'll, go, we'll try to pick up at verse 8 where we left off. Read verse, well, actually, we're starting at verse 9 next week. We're going to talk about the suffering of Jesus' disciples. <coughs> we're going to pick that up next week. But I think people need to understand something. If you're one of them people that are just sitting around waiting on the rapture and waiting to go home, and you're not doing anything, you're not of any advantage to God either. He didn't tell you to sit and wait. He told the disciples that. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Ten days later. It was ten days, right, David? Yeah, ten days later, Holy Spirit showed up. When he left, he didn't say go wait. He said go make. Go make disciples. Do you realize your importance in God's kingdom if you're saved? If you're not saved, we need to get that taken care of today. I don't think many people, at least that claim they're Christians, know the importance that they play in the kingdom of God. Do you realize there's going to be people you come into contact that I may never meet? But you're going to meet them. And your testimony is going to change their life. You realize that? Do you realize he chose to die? Jesus chose to die for the filth you're living in. Now, if you're born again, I'm not talking to you at the moment. If you're lost, Jesus died for your filth just so you could mock him to his face and say, I don't believe in you, some of you. He died for you anyway. Why do you think it had to be Jesus? Because any other human, if you had that power, You'd have wiped them all out. I am, I'm not messing with these people. Jesus had grace. Who was Jesus talking to? It was, he talked to the religious leaders, but it never really was favorable. He went to where the people were at. 
The religious knuckleheads complaining. What's he doing eating with prostitutes? What's he doing eating with tax collectors? Jesus had one answer. I didn't come for those that think they're good. I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. The well don't need a physician. The sick do. If you think you're holier than thou, you don't need what I got anyway. Because you think you got it. Notice I said think you got it, right? Jesus said, I came for those people. I came for that person. He said, man, you know what? I look down at that kid. His name's Trenton, you know. Man, that kid's got a potty mouth. Man, he's a troublemaker. But I'm going to die for him anyway. That hallelujah song, gratitude, why is it so powerful? Because we don't have anything else we can do. There's nothing you can give God that would make up for what you needed. Except your soul. You get born again. There's not, it doesn't matter how much money you got. In the end, that's not going with you. Remember, we made the joke not too long ago about the guy that brought gold bricks to heaven, and Peter's like, oh, you know what, great, he brought pavement for the sidewalk or the street. Awesome. Well, to him, gold was valuable, not to God. He made it all. He wants more, he'll just speak it, and there it'll be. Why is he worried about your money? You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. There is nothing you can do yourself to guarantee yourself eternal life. Nothing but give your heart to him. That's it. And when you do that, we should notice a change in your lifestyle. We're going to talk about a group next week. Youth, are you listening? We're going to talk about a group next week. That were in the church. And then they left the church. And became the enemy of God. And what did John say about them? They were never really with us. He says, here's how you know if they were with us. They'd have stayed. But because they left, they were never with us. So that means it don't matter how many religious traditions you do. What kind of motions you go through. Coming to church every time the doors open. That don't matter. Doesn't make you a Christian anymore. I don't even like the word Christian. A believer. It doesn't make you a believer anymore. Then going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. If you think going to church is going to save you, you're in trouble. Going to church won't save you. Doing things will not save you. The only thing you can do is ask Jesus into your heart. And it's simple. It really is. You just got to ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose in the third day. Becoming victorious over death. That I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. From here on out. I want to live my life for you. In Jesus' name. And that's it. Amen. It's easy. It's simple. The world's what complicates it.
the religious leaders are the ones that complicated it. You got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do this, or you're not going to make it. Ooh, do I say that, God? Brett talked about it Wednesday night, or last Wednesday, one of the two. If you think taking communion at Mass is going to save your soul, you're in trouble. It will not save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And there's so many other verses we could look at. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus and so many more. It's as simple as asking. Why won't most people make it? For the same reason they wouldn't look at the bronze snake. We aren't clarified in the Bible how many didn't look, but I guarantee you there were some that didn't. The Old Testament, book of Numbers, 22, I think, or 21. Moses is instructed, vipers had come into the children of Israel, bit them all, they were dying. Moses is instructed by God after he interceded for the people to build a bronze snake, set it up on the hill. Anyone that comes out and looks at it will be healed. The rest will die. Now, how many of y'all know in this world... It's simple. You ask Jesus in. He's the price. But then all of a sudden, someone comes in and says, that's nonsense. That doesn't even make sense. That's not true. And they miss it. How many people didn't look at the bronze snake and died in their tents? Because they thought, that's just ridiculous. You think looking at a pole is going to save me? But the ones that looked, they were saved. People do the same thing with Jesus. That's ridiculous. You think one man could die for the sins of the whole world? Not just a man, but a God-man, yeah. We didn't even get into the fact that he wasn't 50-50. He was 100% God, 100% man, all at the same time. Can't explain it to you. I'm not Jesus. He says, if you'll come to me and believe. He said, those that endure to the end will be saved. It's that simple. Do you look? Do you believe? All right, thank you so much for joining with us online. God bless you. We'll see you next time.